Our Advent story begins in the womb of a teenage girl. Her people were living under the thumb of Roman rule and had not governed themselves for far too long. She was engaged to be married when an angel appeared before her, proclaiming that she would give birth to the Son of the Most High. She was a humble girl living in the humble little town of Nazareth, and yet God looked at her with favor and said, Ah, yes, I am going to do something new in the world, and I'm going to do it through her. And Mary consented to this divine conspiracy by saying, May your word be fulfilled to me. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. These words from John chapter 1 have been my Advent prayer for the last three years. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This prayer was seared into my heart in 2018, when the Church of Christ I had been working for did something kind of crazy. They put up a Christmas tree in the auditorium. Since Advent always awakens a spiritual longing in me, I would go into the auditorium around 11 o'clock most nights, and I would turn the Christmas lights on, the Christmas tree lights on, and I would find a pew, and I would just sit there staring at the light. Everything was so dark, and all the things that would go bump in the night would send a shiver up my spine. And with my imagination going wild, I didn't quite know what was going on around me. But when I started staring at the light from the tree, it all just faded away. Because the light was shining into the darkness, and even though it was still dim, the darkness was not able to stifle it. If you've been in church for a while, you have probably heard this phrase many times, because Jesus is the light of the world, and the darkness is not able to overcome him, right? But what does a phrase like this mean in a year like 2020? As Christians, we are told that one day Jesus will come and set everything right. And we're very fixated on this coming era. And we can see this in our culture's obsession with the end times. Between the 1970s and 1990s, apocalyptic, apocalyptic cults thrived in numbers. The Left Behind series flew off the shelves for more than 10 years. And many people my age grew up anxious over the coming rapture, which we were assured would come any day now. We have been primed to look towards the second coming of Christ, particularly in a year like this when we have heard the words, Lord Jesus, come quickly, said so many times. In a time like this, we are waiting for someone to just come in and turn on the light and swallow the darkness up once and for all. And though it is a good and holy thing to look forward to the fulfillment of God's restorative dream for the earth, we often miss what God has for us in the time between. And that brings us back to Mary, the mother of God. 
who was visiting her elderly cousin, Elizabeth, in Luke chapter 1. Both women are, are with child by divine means, and both women are well acquainted with waiting. But Mary, a major theme of Mary's life from this point on, will be waiting in the dark. She waits for this baby, this Messiah to be born, not sure what the consequences will be. And then she waits for 30 years for her child, this Messiah, to begin his ministry, having no concept of how it will turn out. But we see her here with her cousin Elizabeth. Elizabeth blesses Mary, saying, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And in response, Mary sings this song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, because he has looked with favor on the humble condition of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, because the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. And he has done a mighty deed with his arm, and he has scattered the proud. Because of the thoughts of their hearts. He has toppled the mighty from their th thrones and exalted the lowly. He has satisfied the hungry with good things, and has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering his mercy to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he spoke to our ancestors. Mary doesn't know exactly what is going to happen and when, but she knows what God is like, and she is clearly willing to follow him wherever he leads. And so we know that Jesus is the light and that the darkness will not overcome him, but we forget that Jesus himself said, you are the light of the world, so shine your light before men. We are the light because Jesus is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. We can't just look at the darkness and wait in apathy and passivity. We have to be like Mary. We have to bear Christ, the light, into our broken world. And that sounds so abstract. What does it mean? But I think that we can look to Mary's song as a guide. In fact, many Christians throughout the centuries have looked to her song as an example as they've lived under oppressive regimes. This song has been, um, this song has been, is so revolutionary that it has been banned from being displayed publicly or sung in churches numerous times. The British implemented such a ban while they occupied India. And in the 1980s, the government of Guatemala prohibited it, as well as the military junta of Argentina, as they went toe-to-toe -to -toe with a religious order of nuns. This song is powerful, and it has the ability to set us on a path of right action if we would only believe that God is going to fulfill his promise to us and just start bringing the kingdom now. 
Mary sings that she is blessed and that the Lord has done great things for her. And the same is true of us. God has come to earth as a baby so that he might make a home within us. The great thing that God has done for us is that he has asked us to join him in his work of expelling the darkness. Mary's song reminds us what to do while we wait. It reminds us what the work of God is. The work of God is to be merciful. The work of God is to dismantle systems of oppression and to bring comfort, peace, and healing to the victims of those institutions. The work of God is to move against powerful people who are more concerned with being God than caring for those who bear the image of God. God has tasked us with making room at the table for the spiritually and physically hungry and to rebuke those who kept them from the table in the first place. The work of Christ is to proclaim to all people that the kingdom of heaven is available now. So rethink your life in light of this very good news. To many of us, this work of God makes us feel so uncomfortable because we don't like upturning the status quo. And to many of us, uh, a lot of times we just like things the way that they are. It's easier that way. And though I have never given birth, I can still say to you that labor is painful. Labor is long and hard work, but it's filled with joy. This is a song about what the world will be like when Christ comes to restore all things. It's the dream of our God. And in the time between time, we dream the dream of our Father and we help him make it a reality. We do what Mary did. We turn the light on, we shine the light, and we bear God into the world. By the grace of Christ, he is already shining into the darkness through us. And we have been given a task that we can do in full confidence while we wait for a day when there will only be light. <laughs>